0: Women came to us because they were desperate. We're doing this together, and we saw ourselves, for better or worse, as the instruments of women's will. So it was the individual woman, and then we would be the instruments for her to be able to
1: do what she felt she had to do. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Laura Kaplan, a member of the Janes, the 1970s underground feminist abortion service. We ended part one upon finding out that the doctor was in fact not a real doctor. How did the Janes survive? Not only this, but the eventual arrest of Seven, the effect of the passing of Roe v. Wade, and how did the Janes continue to help women take a listen? At
0: some point it was revealed to the group that our doctor was not in fact a doctor. And uh, it was a crisis meeting, you know, people flipped out. Um, there were women crying who said, because we've been telling women, it's a doctor doing your abortion. We're lying to women. We're no better than the back alleys. But Jody was very clear and said, you know, basically, who did you think would work that closely with us? Did you really think a doctor was going to? I think she knew for a long time. But I think the change in what she was willing to tell the rest of the people in the group Was because at some point he started training her to do abortions. And I think she realized that for the group to accept that she and by extension, all of us could do abortions, they would first have to accept that the guy we had relied on for over a year, who did brilliant work, was not a doctor. So people left the group, but the core stayed solid, and new people joined. And at that point, Jodi was learning to do the abortions herself. I joined at the point at which the transition from the guy to us was happening. I did not know when I joined the group that that was what was going on. Joined through a friend's abortion, and he did her abortion.
1: Okay. And you joined, as you said, you were 24 not 25 you were 24 in 1972 and Jane had had actually the formation had started in 1969 right. um so you joined in 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 1971. We we're all in our 20s. Jody was in
0: her late 20s, but we were all pretty much in our 20s. Maybe Ruth was 30. But the majority, and especially in the group I joined with, and we all came to a training session, were all around my age, maybe even a little younger. The youngest so how old member,
1: how old was Heather when she when she started? She was in her 20s. You have to remember okay. back then women got married and had Yeah, been, well, that's what that's
0: what we were supposed to do. In I mean, our 20s. Yes. She was a graduate student when she was pregnant. So she was in her probably
1: mid-20s it was a group of young women yes um late 60s early 70s wanting to help other women and take control of what a woman could do with her body when it came to abortion i mean there were other rights as you said that you know some of them were going after but abortion was a big issue as we know today so what were some of the things that uh that you did when you came on board well
0: Well,
1: everybody everybody came in in the same place as a
0: counselor that was our bottom line in many ways um it was the bottom line in terms of that's what you started with counseling but it was also the bottom line in of what was important to us So everybody counseled because that was the bedrock of all of our work. So when you joined the group, you joined as a counselor, you got trained as a counselor. And there were some women and there were a few women who were older. I'm not going to say we were all in our 20s. There were a few women maybe in their 30s and 40s. And the youngest of us was 19.
1: You had a wide breadth of uh, uh, the
0: majority of, uh, of women in the group were in their late 20s, early 20s.
1: Now, once you, uh, the women of Jane's, started actually performing the abortion, uh, I know that the cost sort of changed because you weren't paying the guy who was not a doctor um, and was in less it less. for the money. Right.
0: He was, that's, he said to me, and I quote him in the book. He said to me when I interviewed him, he thought abortions were like mink coats. Lots of women wanted them, but only some could afford them. Um, And that was okay with him because it was, you know, he didn't, he (laughs) in some ways got changed more than any of us who were in the group by his involvement with the group. Because Jody never let up on him in terms of berating him with the stories, real stories of women's lives, which he was not paying attention to because he was only in it for the money. Once New York legalized in the summer of legalized abortion and the first clinics opened in the summer of 1970, that really impacted us because given what airfares were and what abortions cost, for about $300, including airfare, you could fly to New York, get an abortion, and fly back. So how, and Jody would say to him, how can you charge more than that? You know, women can fly to New York and get an abortion and fly back for 300 So I think he was starting to see that this was not going to be a money-making scheme for him working with us. And so his best bet was to train us and get the hell out, and do something else to make money,
1: now we talked about money. we talked about you know how uh, an abortion was very expensive. Did you ever turn anyone away because they could not afford? well, in the early days, one of the original members you
0: know the original members of the group, the five original members, split up the work, and one of those people, uh, Susan Stone, who's no longer living either, uh, took on the money raising. So we started out like abortion funds do today, raising money to help pay for people's abortions. So I, nobody was absolutely clear with me, but my guess is in the early days, there were women who got turned away because they Couldn't get the money together and we couldn't raise enough to pay for their abortions. But I don't have examples of that. Certainly, once we took over, we lowered the price because we weren't interested in making any money, Mm -hmm. just our expenses. So we lowered the price to $100 of what you could afford. And we estimate that we took in about $40 or $50 per abortion from then on
1: and lots what? of
0: women paid nothing or women and you know so i started saying this so let me go finish. ahead um so we had this answering machine and then somebody pretending to be jane because none of us were jane called back and one of the pieces of information we got from the women we called back was what they could afford and that information their name their phone number their address previous pregnancies, how many kids, how many previous abortions, miscarriages, were they allergic to anything, are there any other health problems, and what they could afford. And that information was put on three-by-five cards. Each woman had a three-by-five card. And that was those cards were passed around at meetings, and counselors would take cards of women to counsel. But if you looked at those cards now, you would see there were women who could pay ten dollars she has four dollars she has this one has thirty dollars you know it was you know people didn't have hardly any money and it, from that time on we never turned anyone down and even before that because Jody was able to negotiate with our doc our doctor in quotes uh to do certain number for free and he said to me, once I agreed to do the first abortion for free, I knew the jig was up. It was time for me to get out. He was inter- interested in making money.
1: He was sure. very good at what he did, but he, it was his livelihood. So we talked about the various different women from all backgrounds who came to Jane for an abortion. And over the four years that Jane existed, um, the stats are something, uh, around 11,000 plus abortions. Well, so that's, an because that's an estimate. That's an estimate. That's an estimate because you don't have, as you said, one of the things you couldn't do was totally keep records because it was a felony that you, that you were doing, a number of felonies a day by performing abortions. And in fact, in 1972, uh, right before uh, Roe v. Wade was um, put in by the Supreme Court, um, seven Janes were arrested. Can you just briefly tell us how did that affect Um, And how did that happen? How did that affect the group? Well, how it happened was
0: when women would come to our apartments for counseling and we would say to them, bring somebody with you, bring your husband, bring your mother, bring your friend, you know, bring anybody you want for support uh, to the counseling session. session." So this woman brought her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law didn't like what she heard. And she went to her local precinct and told them what her sister-in-law was about to do. And so that day, and uh, we normally worked out of our own apartments uh, or our friends' apartments, but we occasionally rented an apartment. And that day we were using an apartment we had rented in a high rise uh, in South Shore in Chicago. And um, the way we worked was we had gave out an address that was one of our apartments that we called the front. And that's, we weren't very creative with names, but that's where people gathered. It was a front. So again, women were encouraged to bring someone with them. And a lot of times women brought their kids because they didn't have childcare. So we wound up doing childcare as well. And there would be food there, and the guys would be playing cards or watching sports on TV. We would counsel women from out of town who couldn't be counseled in advance there at the front. And then uh, groups of about five women at a time would be picked up by a driver, one of us, and driven from the front to the other, to what we called the place, Which was where we were doing abortions that day. And that's in this case, it was this high rise on South Shore. And the police, the homicide detectives followed the driver a few times
1: and then they barged in and they were looking for the man and the money. Well, of course, there had to be a man. I mean, how could you be doing this if, if a man wasn't involved? Right. And there was no man and there was no money, basically.
0: You know, um, so uh they barged in and quickly determined who were the workers and who were the women there getting abortions and then they went to the front and they busted the front as well and they took everybody to the precinct so it was kind of a zoo um with kids running around <laughs> and everything and they quickly determined who were the members of the service of Jane. And uh, those women were arrested and uh, in lockup overnight and bailed out the next day. So um, Ruth, who was not arrested, was really came to the fore in terms of raising money um, for bail and everything else we needed because we had hundreds of women waiting for abortions every week. So we had all these women who were relying on us, plus the women who'd gotten pulled in by the cops who still needed their abortions, you know. And so Ruth went about organizing that and getting everybody out of jail the next day. And then those seven women became their own little subgroup because they had to find a lawyer and go through all of that. This was in May of 72, early May of 72 um the effect on the group as always anytime this group was confronted with reality um because we were kind of living in this bubble um you know a lot of people dropped out you know that was got too real for them um but the core group held fast as always, and remain strong. And in fact, other people then joined after we got busted, which I thought was incredibly brave of them since they knew exactly what was likely to happen. We were able to get clinics because New York legalized in the summer of 1970 and D.C., was kind of in this no-man's land where it wasn't legal and it wasn't illegal so there were legal clinics operating and there were clinics in New York and DC that agreed to provide free abortions for the women who were uh, waiting for an abortion through Jane if we could get them to DC and New York. and so we had this whole system of groups of women meeting at O'Hare airport and we had to buy airline tickets and some cases and getting women to New York and DC um, for their abortions. And then within, I would say within two weeks, we started operating again, but at a very reduced scale. So we had, instead of doing 25 abortions in a day, we do five or six and we'd have women meet on a street corner. And then if I was, Working that day, I would pick them up on the street corner and take them to whatever place we were using um, for the abortions. They would be counseled then. So it was all very nervous making and not great. And then at some point during the summer, we found out from our attorney that there was no grand plan to get us. That if a certain lieutenant hadn't been on vacation... Uh, this bus would have never happened. So that made us much more relaxed. And within a couple of months, we were back to business as usual with fronts and places. Four of the seven women who were arrested came back to the group, which is an incredible
1: act of either stupidity or bravery. Termination, bravery. Now, I I just want to briefly, because so many people, you know, uh, especially with what we're going through now, tell us about the reasons, what were some of the top reasons that the women had for needing an abortion, for wanting an abortion? Um, because a lot of people go, ah, oh, it's a whim. They don't know what they're, they haven't thought about it. You know, they got themselves pregnant. They should just have the baby. But you went through thousands of women. Can you just give some of the top, maybe five reasons, maybe the, you know, that, that people needed that it changed their lives?
0: It's hard because we made it a rule to never ask anyone why they wanted an abortion. Okay. We ask them if they were sure okay. that they wanted an abortion. I mean, these were strangers coming to some sort of hippie radicals who weren't doctors. They would look at us with such like, are you kidding me? I'm putting my life in your hands. And you're asking me if I'm sure of what, you know, I'm putting my life at risk here. So, um, you know, in terms of the five top reasons, I can't give you those. That's fine. That's fine. Because
1: point, our feeling was her reasons or, her, or reasons. her reasons. See, that's it. That That is it. That is, that encompasses so much. You ask the main question, are you sure? Right. And they would look at us like we were nuts
0: when we asked that question. Like, are you kidding me? Why would I do this to myself? Why would a poor black woman from the south side of Chicago wind up in some hippie's apartment on the north side in a neighborhood that was all white Unless she was desperate.
1: Women came to us because they were desperate. That's what people don't understand. They were desperate. It had nothing to do with a whim because they were putting themselves at risk. They were putting themselves in your hands. And we use that so that we could say to them, you're putting
0: your life in our hands. We're putting our lives in your hands as well. We're not doing this to you. We're doing it with you. And we would say that. This is a, you know, we're partners in crime, so to speak, here. We're doing this together. And we saw ourselves, for better or worse, as the instruments of women's will. So it was the individual woman. And then we would be the instruments for her to be able to do what she felt she had to do.
1: And one of the things... Was that you were women taking care of women, educating women on things that, as you said, as you went along, you learned. Because there wasn't any uh, women's wellness uh, group. Women's health was not something that was taught in schools. It wasn't talked about. A woman got her period. It It was secret. You didn't talk about it. We're usually told, oh. It's got to be in our head. Um, Get over it. Um, What I was looking for, which I had thought I had marked, but I guess I took the mark away, was the um, kind of like the Bill of Rights and the pamphlet, the wording in the pamphlet that Jane had put out. And what struck me is that it's everything that we talk about now that that we're supposed to be so many different things. They want us to do so much, yet they take so much away. We're supposed to be mothers and take care of everything and, and, and be sexual objects, but we're not supposed to get pregnant. If we get pregnant, we got pregnant on our own. Roe came about... In, in January of 1973. Um, and Jane then dissolved about the time that Illinois started opening up some clinics.
0: That spring, yes. When the first what, clinics opened.
1: How, what did you and your other comrades in, in Jane, what? What was your feeling when it was passed in
0: 1973? Um, um, Roe, you mean? Roe, yes. When Roe was decided. Well, we were extremely relieved, first of all. I remember we had a party at Martha Scott's house uh, that night, a celebration, but we were quite frankly troubled by the decision itself. Um, And the way it was worded, because it seemed to us to be too much worded in doctor's rights, not in women's rights to self-determination. When New York was debating whether to legalize abortion in 1970, uh, some radicals from New York City came up to Albany and they brought with them their ideal piece of abortion legislation. And it was... a (laughs) And it was a blank sheet of paper. Blank sheet of paper. They believed, you know, there aren't laws about other kinds of medical procedures. Um, They believed as soon as you allowed the state to start making determinations around abortion, you were just opening the door to further and further restrictions, which is exactly uh, what we've seen happen with Roe over the years. Um, And so they really felt, you know, there should be no laws around abortion. There's this myth that women are, like you said, as a whim, the day before their due date, they're going to (laughs) go, you know, it's like, I, you know, do they have people who say that have no sense of who they're talking about? No sense of what ordinary people go through in making determinations. Um, it's just amazing to me the lack of empathy, the lack of understanding, and the lack of respect for women as decision makers. It's just, uh, I find it unconscionable. Now, I have to say, when we were doing abortions, we were doing surgery, we were doing DNCs.
1: You were doing a medical procedure
0: and, and induced miscarriages. The technology is advanced. Thankfully, so far that that is no longer necessary, which is good because anytime you put instruments in somebody's body, the possibility of a problem, you, you're you creating the possibility of a problem. So uh, not having to do that with medical abortions is a wonderful, wonderful thing that women can uh, make these decisions and do what they need to do on their own. Um There was a group in a South American country that um, for years was doing basically what we did only with medical abortions. They met women in coffee shops to do counseling and provided the pills and did follow up to make sure everything was okay. But, you know, a much easier turn of events. I want to
1: fast forward now to the times we're living in, which are even more horrific than prior to Roe during the time of Jane, because we now have, as you said, the the rights of women weren't, it should have been a blank piece of paper. Instead, it wasn't. Now we've had that taken away. Yes, there are still states. and, And as we, when we first met, You said, we're lucky. You and I are lucky. We live in a state, uh, I'm in Connecticut, you're in New York, where it is legal, where we could get one if we needed to, where young girls, married women, assault victims can get an abortion. What can you tell young women today with those who have no idea what it was like and now are living through an absolute horrific time where our rights are being taken away. It's starting with abortion. And as we said, there's somebody there on the court who also wants to do something about birth control. I mean, where do we go from here? I know that there are undergrounds that were started prior to The leak of the decision, but there is also so much misinformation. Yes, we have technology; we can reach more people, but we have to get through the muddy waters of the misinformation that is out there and the surveillance, yes, of people's,
0: uh, you know, internet searches and 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 things like that. But I don't, as I, I said to, I think I said this to a reporter from Vice who was interviewing me. I don't personally know of what people are doing across the country to organize, to combat, to alleviate women's suffering. Um, But I know it's happening. And if I did know, I wouldn't talk about it publicly. (laughs) I wouldn't tell a reporter. I wouldn't say anything about it on a podcast, but I don't know. But I know that, Young women everywhere are organizing and coming up with creative ways to get around the draconian, cruel, measured states like Louisiana and Texas and- Ohio. And Ohio and-
1: We're a 10-year-old girl, right? Yeah. I mean- well, that's, that's
0: the- ex- I, I hope we don't focus too much on- Questions of rape and incest. No, uh,
1: there there should be. Yeah, it it happens.
0: Yes. Of the women seeking abortions are victims of rape and incest. So we don't want to focus on the hardest cases. We need, I think, we need to really keep talking about women's rights to determine the course of their own lives. And, and that's what it to their bodies,
1: the course of their own lives, because there are women who become pregnant, you know, contraception isn't, isn't 100%. It's not, it's, you know, we still have that ivory 99.9, some are 95 Um, who are in the midst of of changing their lives, who have two or three children and really can't afford another child, who are starting a career. It's not a selfish reason, but you know what? Maybe it is a selfish reason because they're moving on and they, they go on to have a family when it's time for them to have a family. absolutely, And then they can afford to have the family and people aren't forced to go on food stamps and go to illegal. And we're in such a place that is so dangerous that, uh, Laura, I wanted you to tell this story because I don't believe until the leak of the opinion came out that most people knew that this took place. The story of Jane is is one that there are there might be many I don't know, but it's one that needs to be told because it's it's reality. It's real women getting together to help women and to educate them, and at the same time, you guys were being educated. That's right. Girls right. were being educated, so it was working together. And as as you said working together gets things done. That's right. And you don't have to like the people. I mean, I
0: still, there's many people who were in Jane. I didn't like them back then. I still don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just the way it goes. It doesn't matter. I don't want to paint us as some um, perfect without flaws group. Cause we certainly were quite flawed, but not when it came to the women who sought our services. Then, then we were, we were really, really great with them. We were just kind of not so great with each other a lot of times, you know, but it's a group and that's what happens. And you don't have to love everybody in the group. You just have to be determined that, you know, for those of us who gravitated to Jane, we all had the same sense if we wanted to do something concrete. That's it. We didn't want to have political discussion and, you know, yada, 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 we wanted to do something that would make a concrete difference in people's lives. And we found we were lucky. And I say this, my friend Alice's failed IUD was the luckiest break for me, because that's how I got to find my way to Jane.
1: Um, And it definitely changed my life. Laura, thank you so much. This is such an important time for women and the men who support, because there are men out there who are supporting women. So I do not want to negate that. No. Um, there were a lot of
0: supportive men who were husbands and
1: boyfriends
0: of the women in Jane who were just great. There were some who were assholes, but there were, there <laughs> were. Also, the <laughs> There's was, always some in the bunch. Yeah. The majority were great, very supportive and and um, helpful as as much as they could be.
1: If you had one piece of advice to give to women today, what would that be? Don't feel hopeless. Don't
0: think because of this Supreme Court decision that you have no agencies. That's what those in power would like you to feel. Um, So. Don't feel that way because you have a lot more power, not individually, but working again, working together. And you don't have to see yourself as a hero or superwoman or any. That's all garbage. It's not those aren't the people. It's all of us working together that can make a difference. And we each need to find the way in which or our strengths feed into a particular kind of work. Some people may think what I really need to do is help elect candidates to public office who are going to protect women's rights. And that's a fine thing. That's an important thing to do too. And there are other people who say, I want to do something right today. And I always like to point people to the National Network of Abortion Funds. Um, and, and so they're a great organization and most of the abortion funds, cause that's how we started basically as an abortion fund. Although there wasn't a name for it. Um, you always need to start with what you can do today. You don't need to think about no. what you might do in a year or two, but today. what you can do today, what will help people today? And, and that's where you start. And then you never know where that's gonna lead you. So that's my
1: final words. Laura, thank you so much. Uh, the book is The Story of Jane, the legendary underground feminist abortion service. There's the, also the HBO special, The Janes. People need to educate themselves that this is history repeating, that that's something that we fought for which unfortunately was not a blank piece of paper, has now been taken away. Right. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. This has been a Life of Prey production.